Joker, it's a black Joker. one. Joker. It's a real horror story. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our special Halloween edition of this podcast. This is the Skeleton Crew podcast. For once, we're in a season where we are seasonally appropriate year-long and had to do absolutely nothing to anything. You were just ourselves. <laughs> no, I joke. I used to, like, historically have, like, special thing. Like, I would switch, like, my avatar every October to something more seasonally appropriate. And, like, this is the first year where it's like, I don't need to really change anything. I'm already a skeleton. You're a Halloween decoration. Yeah, I already am, like, I'm already there. I want to be one of those elaborate, overpriced, spirit Halloween animatronics. I mean, the only thing better than that is to be, like, a flat, hangs-off-the-door, semi-translucent, <laughs> glow-in-the-dark skeleton. <laughs> the You're ultimate. right, those are the best. It, like, everyone had one at some point, and it, it's always reliable. You, you just, you can pull it out if need be, you know, it's like, I don't want to decorate for Halloween. Get out the skeleton. <laughs> Or be like the the giant skeleton that's been popping around here and there. Ah, oh, the twelve foot tall skeleton. If I had a yard, I could decorate. I would get that. I just keep. It I up have. All year. There is a yard in this house. Admittedly, I don't own it, but the problem is the yard is in like the back. Ah. Uh. And then also in turn, like you can't see it. It it's not. It wouldn't be worth it. No one would see it. Yeah. But if I had a front yard, and I had the money, I would be. I'd be that person that keeps it up year round and just dresses it up in different outfits, keeping it seasonally appropriate all year round. <laughs> anyway, folks, all this is just to say that this is our Halloween-based podcast, and we've decided to talk about one of our favorite—I wouldn't say scary movies in just strictly scary terms but one of our favorite movies that is technically not appropriate for halloween it's it's more christmas movie it's no it's not a christmas movie it is like dead of winter like middle of january oh okay fair john carpenter's the thing is just designed by its very nature to be played in the middle of like a cold ass winter. So when when these son of a guns keep talking about cozy horror, this is what they mean, right? No. I just like the fact that despite being seasonally appropriate, we decided not to talk about any of the Halloween movies instead, which is also by John Carpenter. <laughs> John Carpenter has done so much. That man made decades of bangers, and then he retired, and he smokes weed. And I respect that so God, much. No, if there's one guy, if 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 I could retire and be one guy, it would absolutely be John Carpenter. Just retire, yes. cash my check, my royalty checks, and like smoke weed and play video games. Like man's living the 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 real American dream. Not about the amount of money you have, just enough money to just do what you want. He understands. So, Strauss, yes. here's the thing. <laughs> you get it, get it? Here's the thing. Cuz we're talking about the thing. Boo. But no. Boo. The thing. Boo. Yes. <laughs> The, the thing, thing it, describe the thing for us. What's it about? Okay, so the thing is an adaptation of a movie of a book, well, a short story, about how alien, how an alien is discovered in Antarctica and all the madness that comes with it. Yes, there are. I, it's so before we get started. I I wanted to say there are. We're we're going to be talking about the whole thing. So there's the thing, and then there's a thing <laughs> from another world. And then what's the short story called again? Do you remember? Who Goes There? Yeah, it's who actually, goes there? I have the PDF of it pulled up. It's more of a novella. It's 76 yeah. pages. It, it's definitely a bit longer than the, like, yeah, novella. It, it's definitely longer than a regular short story. 
I mean, then again, it depends on who you ask it, like how long a short story is versus a novella. And then, and that's getting into some like minutia details that I don't think we really care that much about. I would quantify this as a novella. Yeah, I think novella is probably more accurate. I feel like if you're like 70 plus pages, you're into novella territory. Yes. But, but it's who, not really important. Who Goes There was written by John W. Campbell Jr. And it was written... Uh, shit. 1938, a science fiction horror novella. There we go. Mm. Written under the pen name Don A. Stewart. Thanks, Wikipedia. Who go down? And the, sort of one of those classic like sci-fi horror pieces from that time period. No. And what alien do? And well, the alien. So the, the story is the alien comes in and transforms into other people. Yes, it's it's kind of an assimilationist. It's the the thing, the titular thing has the ability to transform itself into different life life forms and basically mm -hmm. take over them. And basically pulls a, uh, a master of disguise when he do it. Yes. It's pretty good. I I've read it. I think the short story is pretty good. I It is one of those short stories where you totally get how like a good horror director could easily make that a thing. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> make it a thing. But I think later on, John Carpenter takes kind of the the meat and potatoes of this story and there's obviously some stuff that is very different because this was in 1938 versus in the 80s but the essential stuff is very much there and it's equal parts kind of the the terror of being trapped with this shape-shifting alien that's slowly killing and assimilating like all of your friends and also the claustrophobia of being stuck in an arctic outpost with your friends yep. and your fellow researchers and communism probably and and probably communism it's pro the thing is probably communism probably i'm not most a, like it, it's not it's the 1930s america was still scared of the red menace Ooh. Also, as a heads up for anybody who wants to look into reading the book or watching the movie, bad stuff happens to dogs in this. Yeah. And in case that's a big deal breaker for you, bad things happen to dogs. Yeah. Now, we will say there is another movie, A Thing from Another World, which is the <laughs> 50s one, which is still pretty good, but it's much more like 50s B movie than... It's... More leaning into the sci-fi element. Yeah, it's it's less horror and more... It's it's also, like, more spooky monster. Yes. Then it... It, it also... It also has one of the coolest man-on-fire scenes you'll see in anything. It does. And it also has women in it, unlike any of the other things we mentioned here. This is the only thing with women in it. Which is not because... And this one, it's just funny. Well, there is the other, the, the weird not prequel, prequel movie thing that they made in like mm -hmm. 2012 12 or whenever. But we're not talking about that. That never happened. Yeah, we, we don't discuss that because it is shameful and I mean, it's not a, ter not a terrible movie in its own right. But CGI over practical effects, really. It's not even that. It's just, why make this movie? But anyway, point is, it's a good movie. If you want to like watch this movie, just the best one to get is John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. It's the best one you're going to get. And it's probably, I would say it's better than the book. Oh, without a doubt. Like the original novella is like fine. It's like totally good pulpy, like science fiction horror from the 1930s. But it's like. You can have... There's better things. Um, I've got the PDF of the Who Goes There pulled up. Lots of describing dudes as little. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of that. I, weird height thing going on here. 
He was a little man. He was a very little man. It's like I wrote this. <laughs> yeah, they're all the size of Chen Gong. <laughs> they're all five foot five exactly. The size of Bruno Mars. You can pick them up under the arms and carry them away. <laughs> but yeah, the, so John Carpenter The Thing was released to not rave reviews and not great box office showing in 1982. People were very rude to it shockingly rude to it like i'm not gonna say like the thing is the greatest masterpiece of all time i'm it, it's arguably not even his best movie definitely not his most like important movie but i i, I would argue say his it... most important movie is halloween yeah probably so and that's not a statement I mean, on it. On I would say the thing is arguably his best movie, but the Halloween is kind of the the important one. Halloween built a lot of the structures of the slasher film, and Halloween set a lot of precedents. Yeah, like Halloween's importance to a whole ass genre cannot really be understated. Yeah, John Carpenter just has done a whole fucking bunch with his career. Yeah. This is one of those rare cases where, like, I would, or if you were to ask me what it hit, like, John Carpenter's three bet, like, five best movies are, it'd be, like, Halloween, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York, and They Live. You know, I can't argue with that. Yeah, I, I, I immediately just created, like, kind of the definitive list. I'm sorry, everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, and and we can we can get more into that, but the thing did not release to critical acclaim. Oh, it, it, it was, was panned, pa critically panned. Didn't do well in the box office because it, it a, a much bigger, more important movie came out. Fucking E.T. Uh, e. the extraterrestrial. I hate E.T. <laughs> I don't hate E.T. I, I absolutely loathe E.T. <laughs> not, 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 a, not a dunk on Spielberg. I just hate E.T. <laughs> I think it's creepy. I mean, fine. But the, the point is, E.T. was a much bigger movie. It was. And for good reason. It, it's, it's an all-time classic. Even if Sardo doesn't love it. E.T. Yeah, e. is important. <laughs> E.T. is an important, big-deal movie. That also helped cause the video game Crash of 83. <laughs> There's so it, many it's... copies of it buried in the desert somewhere, right? Yep. There is. That was true in the end. But and the thing was released to reviews that described it as instant junk and a wretched excess. Can you believe the shit, Strauss? Yes, I can. It was the 80s. Everyone was doing coke and voting for Ronald Reagan. That's fair. I want to, we, we're bringing this up just because it has long since, like, been critically reevaluated. I just think the problem with, with the thing was that it was just, like, a bit too ahead of its time with, like, what it was. I, like, I have a question, Sardo. Do you know, uh, or could at least look up, like, how critically well-received a lot of Cronenberg movies were? Mm. Because... Let me see. Because I... Like, Cronenberg's movies are, like, a lot of his, like, most famous work is from around the same time. And that has, like, you know, that's got a certain level of, like, similarity. Yeah, it's, it's very, um, it's very wet cinema. <laughs> It's it's very yucky cinema. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's like the body horror stuff. I think really what what we're saying is like Cronenberg was around for the same time period, and I'm just like looking at. I mean, he, he had obviously had a career before that, but like, let's see, the big time for him was really uh, uh, like the around the same time period, like, like the early 80s. And I believe, like, Videodrome wasn't that big of a hit. Like, I think Cronenberg's first major big deal hit was, like, either The Dead Zone or The Fly. 
Yeah, I, I think probably either one of those. And the thing with Cronenberg was, Cronenberg kind of established that this was his niche fairly early on. It's like, you go to a Cronenberg movie, you know you're going to see some nasty shit. Whereas I think John Carpenter had a few different things he was known better for, and so people had some different expectations. Maybe. And that... I, it, it's the problem is we just we sadly can't go back in time and just ask people like hey why didn't you like it oh, the, like what were your expectations going in and we, we sadly can't do that we could if we would I think that's fair I would I would agree yes because I'm curious because it's like I guess it was just too ahead of its time. It, I think it was. It was just not not the right place or time. And it found its place and time. Oh, it, it, and it's, it's considered a classic now, so it definitely... definitely it hugely influenced you on, like, a gajillion other horror creators. Yeah, it, it's sort of the classic, like, didn't do well with people at the time but it played very well for those who like horror and mm -hmm. these types of movies to begin with so you know it found its audience and it's long since been considered one of the all-time classics it's not halloween big but it it got what it deserved i would say yeah so what it, is it has Oh, you finish first. Sorry, it it has the critical reception music by Ennio Morricone by the way <laughs> yeah uh, weird, weirdly, also the soundtrack was considered not good either, which was so weird. The, the, yeah. the way this movie was received is so strange. It was just fucked up. Like, I don't but, really and, like this movie, and I'm not going to take it personally to a bunch of people from, like, 42, 41 years ago. I will. Well, I, it's because I, <laughs> I, I, I don't, because it's long since got its due, so I'm not... But why, why be uh, for me? It's why be mad when everyone has agreed, has gone back and said, actually, this movie's great. That's fair. <laughs> but let's let's get into the meat and potatoes of this, as, yeah. as you were about to do before I interrupted. <laughs> no, no, I think it's fair. You had you had something to say. So let's start with what this movie is actually about. If you haven't seen it, uh, go watch it. Even after we're done talking about it. Because it's you, worth you should go, yeah, and, and I mean, just go go watch the movie. <laughs> well, the reason why we're going to say go watch the movie is even if we tell you the entire plot of the movie and tell you everything that happens, there's a lot of really cool effects in here that are, that you can't, we can't show you because this is an audio podcast. And describing them wouldn't do them justice. There's so um, many wet puppets in this. <laughs> honestly, I don't think we could describe all of it. Some of, some of these things get kind of weird looking. So the movie yeah. is is about a bunch of Americans at an Antarctic outpost, like a research outpost down in Antarctica. And they're just like bored out of their minds because they spend most of their day just hanging around until one day. It, this is where the movie starts. A bunch of, I believe, Norwegians. Yes. Are like shooting at this random husky and everyone's like what the fuck are you doing and they're yelling at in norwegian at these americans like something no subtitles now actually fun fact and i know this is that if you listen to the movie <laughs> and if you know nor if you know how to speak norwegian or at least understand it it, mm -hmm. it just gives the whole whole game away like first scene of the movie <laughs> Which I think is great. That is pretty brilliant. It's really, it's like, no, he's not saying gibberish or t like speaking nonsense. He's like, no, he's literally saying that dog's an alien and it killed everyone else. Kill it now. I don't care. It's like stuff like that. It's so funny. It's so great. But the Americans are like, shove off weird Nordic guy with your universal health care and standards of living. <laughs> 
Yeah, they, they just see a guy trying to shoot at a dog. Yeah, they're so. like, this guy's clearly lost. And he, he also looks nuts because he's, like, covered in, like, ice and snow. Like, he's been chasing this dog, for, like, all day and all night for, like, three days. This guy looks like he's gone nuts. And so they so, take the dog in. They're like, whoa, this guy's, like, lost it. He, I think they shot him. Yes, they shoot him. They they kill him. Well, yeah, but he's like he looks in self like, defense. In self defense, he's like clearly like he's lost it, but it's understandable why he's lost it. Yeah. This is why context is useful in these situations. Yes, <laughs> this is where having one person who could speak Norwegian would have saved a lot of people a lot of trouble. So what we mm-hmm. discover is over time is that. And we're gonna. I'm going to keep this plot summary very brief, just because I feel like at times we go a bit too deep into the weeds. Yes, we do. Uh, so basically, in this monster gets in, starts terrorizing everyone and infecting people, and basically replacing them. And slowly, everyone's like, "Whoa, shit's go- getting weird." And then people disappear. Then like the dogs disappear. Like, what happens first is the dogs get eaten by the by the alien, and they're like, whoa! This does lead to the immortal line of, Mac wants the what? <laughs> Mac says he needs the flamethrower. Mac wants the what? <laughs> <laughs> to uh, give everyone an idea here, um, the, the uh, key two guys on this movie, the key principal characters are all played by different guys, but the, one, the two big ones are... Uh, uh, one oh. Mr. R.J. McCready, RJ... played by Kurt Russell. Yeah. And the other is, uh, oh, what's he called? His name's Childs. He's played by Keith yeah, David. Ch- <laughs> I, I, I can't remember his first name, but uh, Childs, played by Keith David. There's it's, The problem is I know who they are by name, but not who they play. I've I've got the, the stuff pulled up. Yeah. So. And then uh, also Wilford Brimley who plays Blair and there's a whole bunch of other guys. It's a whole mostly character actors. Wilford Brimley here who is at turns really unsettling and very funny. Oh yeah. But basically what we learn is is that the alien escapes and they're like, "Oh my god, where is this fucking alien?" And then they learn like the alien could be anyone and basically the whole movie's about paranoia. Of this yeah. alien could be anyone at any time. And when they discover, like, who the alien is at one point, like, it, like, pops off in a disgusting puppet and runs away. And they're basically trying to burn it with fire. And what ultimately happens is they don't really succeed until there's this down to two people. Of Childs and McCready. And no, neither know if they're the alien or not. And that's just how the movie ends. It's great. We, we we end with them sitting at the campfire, sharing a bottle of whiskey, and just kind of, like, eyeing each other. Yeah. Like. No one knows who, whether or not Childs or McCready. Both could be the alien. Both might not be the alien. No, you, we do not know. And that's And, and we assume... <clears throat> Yeah, and that either way, they're probably either going to die or one of them's going to go back into hibernation. It's a mystery. Yeah, because, you know, they found... Because basically what happened was the Norwegians found, like, a spacecraft, opened it up, uh, got infected by the thing, and then they infect these poor, stupid Americans who had no idea what they were in for. And that's basically the whole movie. It Like, describing the plot of this movie takes, like, five seconds. Yeah. Uh, alien sneaks around Arctic base, kills everyone. If you've played, it's basically, if you played Among Us, you basically understand what the thing is about. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, I, I mean. That my, that's true. <laughs> well, in fairness, Among Us clearly, like, was inspired by it. It, it was deeply inspired by the thing. <laughs> like, very obviously, like, to the point where they put an Arctic base in the game. Like, l- let's be real. It wasn't just inspired. They were clearly inspired. Nothing it's wrong with true. that. Oh no! It's like they they wear their their whole thing on their sleeves. I gotta give credit where credits due. But I with with that out of the way, 
Strauss, what do you think, like, what does this movie do well? What makes it effective? Well, I would say the first thing that this movie does extremely well, it just makes, is making everyone feel isolated. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a movie where every single time, every shot feels like you're in the middle of fucking nowhere, there's no help coming. And that's where the paranoia slips in. It's like, you're alone with these motherfuckers. You know? And a funny thing about that is a piece of trivia I love is that John Carpenter actually paid the cast, like, for several weeks to just hang out with each other on set and just, like, hang out, spend time together, and kind of, like, develop that rapport and i think that really works to the movie's favor my other favorite bit of trivia is that they absolutely filmed in a very refrigerated cold ass set yes to like really drive the point home but basically what makes the movie work in my opinion is that john carpenter like got the vibe he understood how to make it eerie but not simply scary because this isn't like Mm -hmm. oh i'm being chased by a monster or oh a monster is here it's like Anyone in this room could be a monster, and we don't really have, like, foolproof ways to do this. It could be anyone. There's the one bit where they have to do a blood test on everybody, because one of the things that the thing is vulnerable against is fire and heat. So they test the blood with a heated piece of wire, and it's it's going around with everybody, and just the... The tension in that scene is so thick. Well, because, like, everyone's blood, like, either just sizzles normally, and then when it finally does, like, they get a hit, it is like... And then the thing attacks, and and then they set them on fire. (laughs) And the other thing is, we don't know there's more than one of these things, either. Yeah, we're, we're not sure. Like, the big key to how this works in my opinion is that at no point is that is the is like the thing explained no like one of the smartest moves this movie does it just to try to explain what the thing is or what it does or where it goes It's just, you know nothing. That's where, the, that's where the scary comes in. Yeah, there's no backstory drop. We know one thing that it's weak to, and sort of what it does, and that's it. Yeah, we understand that this thing is weak to fire, and that's about it. And we only know that by accident, because we used a flamethrower on it and it worked. That's it. Like... All we know is it can go into hibernation in the deep cold and it can be set on fire. That's about it. And it can transform into other things. Like, And it's really good about never dropping the, you know, oh, these these people are safe. They're, they're not infected yet. Other than the blood test scene, you're never really sure. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely one of those things where, like, a big key here of what makes this work is that you just never really know. And yeah, it's it's all it's all about the tension of not knowing the answer. It's like a mystery. It's a, it, it's great thrillers are about either you know enough or you know too little. Oh yeah, and it no- understands and it- that. It's it's very much kind of invasion of the body snatchers that thread of fear. <laughs> yeah, like this, like the real fear is that you're always concerned with whether or not anyone in a room is the bad guy. It's like, which one of us is the guy in the hot dog costume telling us we're all trying to find the guy who did this? Yeah. Or is it, are are we all that guy? <laughs> yeah. 
And by the end of it, we, and the thing is, we end that way. Yeah. We never really know if we're safe. And that's so brilliant to the whole story. It's very effective. It's very effective. And also, like, the effects are really good. Oh, yeah. We, we need to talk about the effects. Uh, the practical puppetry used for this film is fantastic. I talked a little bit about wet puppets before. This and is, this is the, I think the only movie with wetter looking puppets is Alien. Which is another yeah. movie we could have talked about, actually. Now that I think about oh, it. yeah, we could have. Uh, we might oh, talk about, you know what, we'll, we'll save that for next year. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll make this a tradition. We'll, we'll talk about, like, a, a weird, like, scary monster movie that we like or something until we run out of good ones. Yeah. And then we have to start talking about the bad ones. Oh, yes, indeed. But Rob Botton was the guy who did the creature effects. Mm. $1.5 million went into this. It's a mixture of chemicals, food products, rubber, and mechanical parts. Yeah. And... God. I, I think the thing is, if you actually, like, despite their high-level detail, you can actually tell they're kind of cheap. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is they look great, but they don't do a whole lot of movement with it. Because one of the smart things that uh, John Carpenter does, and it's, just, it's a thing a lot of other, like, and I, it's something he learned from Halloween, is that he doesn't show the killer often. Right. Like, if you watch the original Halloween, like, Mike Myers is all over that movie, but not for very long. On screen. Like, he's in scenes, but he's not on screen that much. Yeah, because he's he's like kind of a spectral presence almost. Exactly. It's it's one of those things where everyone understands what the the assignment. Like it, the more you see of the monster, the less interesting it is. Yes. Congratulations. It's a writhing vast network of disgusting tentacles. Congratulations. But the, the bit we do see is spectacular. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like also probably cuz like to be real it's probably because it was, you know, not the best looking thing on the planet. He's like, oh, yeah, Th this looks good, but I don't want like it's one of those things where I feel like he understood. Not to leave it on screen for very long. Yeah, like you, you get like a little tiny taste of it and, and that's it. Yeah, and and that's that's the key. It's it's one of those things where it's like, I, if I put this on front and set, because it's not like a Bella Lugosi thing or Boris Karloff, where you can have like really good makeup on a guy, yeah, and have him act, because it's a puppet. It, it's a great example example why a puppet, like can only do it's uh, or and it's not an intricate enough and expensive enough puppet like audrey 2 and little shop of horrors we can have it on screen all the time yeah it, it it's only on as long as the screen as it needs to be and it's knowing that ec economics of your stuff but i think the the monster work in the thing is one of those bits of particularly 80s horror films that i wish we would go back to as a society yeah. in just that everything looked slimy and greasy and nasty it's one of those examples of like one of the things about like early blockbuster cinema where it's like things hadn't gotten so computer generated and where things were like a craft that's still really good yeah and, and that's not to say that, like, those things are bad or that, like, CGI is bad. It's just there's that thing of where it's, like, it's just hard to simulate something looking, like, kind of, like, wet and mucusly that you just can't really get back. I It's just... And CGI definitely is its own art form and has its yeah. own place. But 
I don't know. I just love some wet puppets. That's yeah. something I enjoy. <laughs> it's also just, I, I think what makes it, what you're really asking for is not so much like a practical effects thing as much as it's just like, there's just something charming about someone who spent time crafting it in hand and all being in camera and perfectly lit and like just perfectly put together precisely you know it's like it's like looking at a good painting and i think a thing that helps this really work is the fact that the human cast in this is magnificent because we we talked about them and there's some like very skilled actors in that roster and they they make it work so well like I feel like the performance is really understated in in a wonderful way. <laughs> yeah, well, like, no one is acting... It's sort of... Have you, I have a question for you. Yes. Have you ever, like, heard the, uh, like, recordings of the Apollo 13 shit going wrong? From, yes. like, Houston and how, like, incredibly yeah. calm everyone is? Yes. It's the movie version of that. That is a great comparison. Because, like, these men are all professionals. Like, obviously, they're dealing with an extraordinary situation. Mm -hmm. But, like, everyone here is doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Like, no one here is being, like, unprofessional beyond, like, getting short with each other or you know dealing with an alien which you know there's nothing in the protocol book for that that's not in your manual and and there tends to be kind of this cliche criticism of horror films where it's like you know well all the cast is acting stupid so of course they're going to die nobody's really acting stupid here yeah like, I, I think <laughs> i mean i mean that's a good point that's like that's something like even slasher especially like the 80s slasher films as they went on where like everyone's just kind of being dumb mm -hmm. and mind you slasher films got were beloved for not really their horror element after a certain point camp well yeah slasher no, is camp well slasher was built on like how creative can we get someone to be killed in a movie yes Whereas this, is, but it's like, sometimes you watch a horror movie and it's like, just go left. You, you know, it's Come like, on. it's like, it's like the criticism of Prometheus where everyone's running away from the thing collapsing. It's like, just start going in diagonal and you'll eventually get out of the way. <laughs> it's like, it's but, rolling towards you. You have all this ability to just go a different direction after a certain I, I point. I feel like, okay, maybe not everybody is acting totally professionally. They are doing quite a bit of heavy drinking on the job. Yeah. We do see McCready pour, pour whiskey onto a computer after he loses a computer game, which is a, a very funny. It, well, yeah, it's a very funny little bit. They're not being like 100% absolutely professional. But they're, they're dudes on the job and they're... You know, they're they're basically like the reason why they're drinking is because they know 90 percent of their day is just sitting around waiting, waiting for shit to happen. Yes. And it's cold. It's cold. And they're surrounded by only other like 40 year old looking men who like no one in this. The only two people in this movie who would be described, who could be described as uh, like conventionally attractive is McCready and Childs. And that's it. Arguing. I would say Nalls is actu actually pretty attractive, too. He's the one played by T.K. Carter. He's the guy on Rollerblades. Oh, yeah. I totally I I'd say I'd say he's pretty good. But I forgot about the Rollerblades. But it's just like, the point is, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's the twin <laughs> kid. He's the solo twin. Yes. He's the only guy <laughs> under the age of 30 in this movie. He's the designated twink. He's the one guy under the age of 30 in this whole movie. Everyone else, yeah. like Norris or Dr. Copper, like everyone here looks like a scientist who actually exists. It's a bunch of old farts sitting around in in a cramped little living space waiting for something to happen 
waiting for like the results to come in of whatever the fuck they're testing. And that that's sort of why it, like things happen the way they do. Is because like yeah, everyone's bored out of their mind. You know, you're you're waiting at a research station for shit to happen. And that's what and that's what makes it work. But uh, really excellent cast. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah. It's like, and it, really it's all It's just it that's what you need. And I want to give a special shout out to Kurt Russell and his beautiful hair and beard in this. Oh yeah, no, I, I've had that haircut more than once in the past like he, five years. That is like peak Kurt Russell, just great, great hair, great facial hair. He he looks good. Yep. But but yeah, when we say that like everyone here looks like a scientist we mean it like outside yeah. of nulls who's like the only per person here who doesn't look like they've been here that long <laughs> everyone like it's only like there's only two guys who, who, who if all these guys went out to a bar to pick up women only three guys are walking away with some to go home with and only one of them and one of them is nulls and not because it's yeah. a woman <laughs> He's going to the gay bar. Yeah, I'm just kidding. He's our he's our beloved twink. He he, he is the twink. Uh, well, depends if he was go if he was dressed like Prince, he might get a lot. That's this was true. the '80s. That's true. But I I really uh, the the dynamic overall is just very effective, and I do like that there's like. It's just a bunch of bunch of dudes. Like they're they're all kind of like worn out already you get the sense going in that they're just like everyone's tired. They, they don't they don't love being here everybody's very tired and nobody trusts anybody yeah uh, pretty much great great line from kurt russell in that. <laughs> and once the thing gets introduced shit goes south very promptly, and there's a little bit. I want to talk about the scene with Wolford Brimley as Doctor Blair, because they think that Blair might have been infected, so they basically shut him up in like a little, like they put him in baby jail basically, and he's trying to like do do his research into like you know what's going on with this, and they go to check on him. It's like how's it going, Blair? And he opens like the little window and you can see you can see a noose in the background and he's just like oh i'm doing fine <laughs> I believe, and it's like it's <laughs> if i remember correctly it wasn't originally supposed to be in noose but it was like a sp they, there's like cut content of a spaceship <laughs> it's like a little <laughs> tiny spaceship <laughs> little dinky spaceship in the back there like the point is blair is probably actually infected yeah. It's implied that his not being infected, it's hard. Once again, the whole point is the alien is incredibly adaptive. And it's very intelligent. It's like, it's doing its best to hide. And it, like, it mimics people. Like, the reason why they do the blood test is anyone who's infected, no one knows who it is. Because it can act like anybody immediately. And, like, think about that. It pretends to be a person perfectly. And the person you know. And these are guys who've known each other for years. God knows how long they've been here. They've, they've had to share living space for months and months. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, the fact that three, a bunch of guys who would know each other. Can't tell the difference between them and, like, a space alien that doesn't know them. Terrifying. And the the way that we see kind of these friendships and working relationships quickly build these fissures and just erode and explode in, in a couple of cases, it's... 
It's so well done. <laughs> yeah, it's just a really good movie from start to finish. It's one of those rare movies where, like, there's not a whole lot I would really change about it other than maybe, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a few more dollars to the monster budget so we can maybe get, like, one more puppet. Yeah. But just I, for just because I want to see what they would have done with it. I would like at least one more scene of Null's rollerblading. That too. <laughs> like, just a classic... Like... It, and I, I want to make it really clear. It's like when we say, like... These are... Like, the, the way we're trying to describe it is that the, like, we, there's not a lot you want to change about this. It, it's not like it's a perfect movie. It's just that it's the perfect version of this movie is probably going to get. Yeah. It, it's just one of those classic examples of, like, are there better movies? Sure. Did the person who made this make better movies? Probably. Does there need to be more movie like this? Not necessarily, but sort of just the classic, this is as good as it's going to be and as good as it needs to be. It it saw its thing and it understood and it did the thing very well. Yeah, it's it's sort of like it's sort of like uh Yeah, it's like Mad Max Fury Road or like The Raid or Trying to th I'm trying to think of something that isn't an action movie that fits here. It's a, you know, it's a genre movie that understands what it is, what it needs to be, and doesn't pretend to be anything it's not. Yeah, I, I would agree. And it's kind of a, th this is just for me personally, it's a very comforting movie in a way. Like, I always go back to this one when I just really want to watch something again. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it hits all the right notes. And yeah. it has some of the best dog acting I've ever seen, too. The yeah. the dog that becomes infected by the thing. That husky. Who apparently was... <laughs> that husky, yo. Hey. So, I've never seen a dog do so well at playing at being unsettling. <laughs> and, and Which the is... dog, uh, by the way, the dog thing is played by uh, Jed. Yes. Jed, who apparently wasn't actually a very good boy. <laughs> no. Jed lived a long time, actually. He died, like, 1718. Good on Jed. Yeah. He was in the White Fang movies. Yeah, 1997 to 1995. Yeah, and he he had quite the career. Mm -hmm. He was a good boy. Maybe not always the best behaved boy, but a good boy. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, he, he was a fantastic actor. We always loved him. Yes. The, the, oh, by the way, also, left. one of the fun things about this movie, if you ever, like, get your hands on the DVD, is wa listen to the commentary with Kurt Russell and John Carpenter, because they're just filled with Wilford Brimley stories. <laughs> so many! <laughs> they just keep going. <laughs> Entire <laughs> movie is the story after story of, like, everyone on the cast. Like, everyone has stories, and they're, and they're all just have and they're also super complimentary of, like, Wilford Brimley, who was, like, one of the senior actors on the film. Uh, obviously, like, Keith David doesn't need a lot of love, but Wilford Brimley got a lot of love. In this movie, it's just, like, it constantly, everyone was talking about, like, oh, man, he was great. Total yeah. professional. Very fun to be around. Just a pleasure to have in class. <laughs> just just classic, excellent film. Whole movie was basically like that. And he was also a singer, apparently. Yeah. I, I mean, you look at him and you know exactly what kind of music he played. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, wait, Keith David was a singer. Oh, well, it is a singer. Well, yeah. I'm, in fairness, Brimley was uh, also a singer. Yes. Apparently he was in jazz band. 
But yeah, I think really, if, if I have any closing thoughts on this film, is that it's one of those rare examples of just a movie that's from top to bottom just perfectly crafted. It's exquisite. It's it's like a good stew. Like all the, all the flavor notes, the ingredients and the spices complement each other beautifully. It is cooked for exactly as long as it needs to be. And it's comforting in an odd way. Yeah, it's it just, really is. It's just kind of one of those movies where it's just like like are there better movies? Absolutely. I could probably name 50 movies that I would rank above this movie with no problem. But that's not the point. It, it does exactly what it needs to do. I am, I'm a fan. I'm actually, right now as we record this, I'm wearing my The Thing pajama pants. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not wearing anything material. Just... I, I have some The Thing memorabilia, but I, I'm, good I'm movie. I'm wearing a New Japan Pro Wrestling t-shirt, actually, so I, I'm definitely not. Very cool. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's actually a very nice shirt. But, yeah, I would say if you want a movie for the next, like, four months to watch when it gets cold, that's kind of spoopy. And yeah. Gonna, I, I like Because there's, like, movies that might give you nightmares. I don't know if this one's going to give you nightmares. Say it's, okay, I don't think it's a scary movie. It's it's in the horror genre. It's I don't one, it's know a tension it's based movie because it, the whole thing yes. is the tension and the paranoia, which is not really, really necessarily scary. It freaks you out though. I, it depends on what you're, like what you consider scary. I don't consider it scary, but I I, that's I don't really I'm... either. But that's kind of just neither here nor there. Yeah, but good movie gets you some Kurt Russell, gets you some Keith David. Yeah. Uh, settle down with a blanket and your five or six roommates who you have to share space with and trust very much and know so well, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, go go ahead and watch it. It's uh wherever it, it it's streaming. I don't know. Uh, let me take a look. See wherever fine foods are sold. I don't think you're gonna buy a movie from the 1980s. <laughs> like I I don't think. A movie from the 1980s is sold in a grocery store, sorry. No. Um, you well, watch it on AMC Plus, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Redbox, YouTube TV, Peacock. Buy a DVD of it. If you if go out there and check it out. But go watch it. It's a good movie. Good movie. In the meantime, uh Sardo, I have a question for you. Yes, Strauss. How are you watching? Or playing, or reading, or whatever. I don't know. You know what I'm playing. Well, I know what you're playing. And Baldur's Gate 3 will be fully discussed properly in a different episode when Sardo beats a playthrough. I'm actually almost done with my first playthrough, finally. And and how's it been so far? I am really getting tired of this game crashing on me. <laughs> That's uh, understandable. It, it, I have been running into every possible crash zone, apparently. The universe just loves letting me not play this game. No. But I, I, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of just kind of stalling for time because I'm almost done with the game. Yeah. Which is like a... And, we'll... and by that I mean, like, my quest list is down to the near bottom of, like, things to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like when I say I'm almost done with the game, like I literally could beat the game right now. I wow. I still got a couple more things to do. But but not much, I would imagine. No, like I have like one more character quest left. And then it's like a bunch of small things and like three things that are all basically attached to the same thing. It's just a decision made. That's where I'm at. I know you're still in the early game, so I, I am. I'm still in Act One. It's gonna it's gonna be a while before the Boulder Gate Boulder Skate Three episode, but we'll, we we promise it's coming. Anything else and, you've been partaking in? Um, golly, I've actually been 
reading back through the old Lupin the Third manga, I picked up like a bunch. Uh, yeah, like a a greatest hits collection way back, and it's like, oh, I have this, and so I've been reading that, and I really enjoy it. Monkey Punch is one of those art styles that really makes me want to draw. You know what's funny? I uh, one of the other artists I follow on Twitter was talking about that. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some artists who are really good, and some artists who just make you want to draw. It's inspiring. Yeah, exactly. For them, it was uh, Ichiro Oda for One Piece, but you know, it's, uh, it's the yes. same. It's the same principle. Oh yeah, totally. Totally, just like the same concept of this is just something where people like, like it's definitely a very much an artist thing. Mm-hmm. Because like I don't, I, I have that with certain like directors where it's like I watch a movie and that like I know for me I'm gonna be seeing Killers of the Flower Moon at some point in the near future. Oh, I gotta hear how that is. I everything I've heard about it is that it's fantastic, and I'm not shocked by that. I just haven't got a chance to see it yet. Yeah. Well, I see this weekend now that I know, like... I'm going to see if... I don't think C wants to see it with me. <laughs> it's... it's uh, hey, you want to see a 1920s period drama about horrible things happening to minority groups in America for three and a half hours? <laughs> Sounds like a party! See, if I said that to you, you would say yes. I... I'd be down. You would be down. Uh, Me on the... Most other people would not be. I I just want to make sure I got an extra large tub of popcorn, though. Because, I mean... Well, yeah, of course. Come on, who do you think I am? Popcorn. Who do you think I am? (laughs) But I... You'll have to let me know how that is. I've, I've heard it's very good and very... I mean... I've read the book. It's... It's it's heavy heavy stuff, but oh yeah, the the other thing. Let's see, uh, spe- and let's see with Monkey Punch. The one thing I always remember is that we found someone found like the cleanest version of his opening for, for what is it the, the daring hyena starring Jackie Chan. I remember you sharing that with me. Yeah, that that's <laughs> it's, it was done by Monkey Punch. It's like damn, it re- it really is done by him. It's very fascinating. But, uh, yeah, I think, um, anything else that Uh, you got? Nothing, nothing that I can think of. That's, Baldur's Gate has been my entire existence outside of work and the podcast and streaming. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I get that. It it, it definitely is all consuming after a certain point. As for me, um, I'm almost done with my playthrough, Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, I just finished Ishin this week. Because we have... What'd you think? I thought it was pretty good. Like a Dragon Ishin was good. It's a bit weird in, like, a way that only RGG Studios can make a game about a historical time period weird. Um, you know, but fun. I, I liked it. The problem was that I had with it was that I, like, stopped playing it to play other games. And it, a, a lot of that's been happening this year for me. Yeah. Um, anything else that I've been doing? I have to, like, I still have to finish up Final Fantasy 16. I'm, like, so close to done with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm halfway through that. I was so close to done with Ishin, though. That was just so... I was like two chapters away, Sardo. It was I was like right there. You were. I was I was right there. But luckily, you know, I finished that. I'm gonna have to finish Final Fantasy 16 at some point. God, and I have two games coming out next month too. We have the man who erased his name. Oh yeah. And then we have fucking what's it what's it called? Uh, I I have Tactica coming out, but that one's more like that's for the stream, so I'm not really worried about that one. We're I'm almost done with Like a Dragon for the stream, actually. You are. It, it's, it's been very. It's been very fun to have you there for that one. It's it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. This is, I mean, I always look forward to the streams, but this this is something I do look forward to every week. Yeah. 
It, well, it helps because it's a game we, we both played, both loved, and it still do. And really, playing again has really been this reaffirmed that, like, yeah, actually, this game's really good. Except for the one part where it forces you to grind for, like, four hours. Yep. It, oh, God, it, we're going to have, like, a proper episode on Like a Dragon coming soon-ish. Pro 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 probably within the next couple of months as we get closer to infinite wealths yeah release just because it's like this is us like looking back on you know it, it, it'd be like a look back like oh hey this is what like a dragon was like <laughs> like how like a dragon was like is certainly a sentence that i said <laughs> oh <laughs> but you know but like it, it's something that we want to look at and be like, okay, this is what it was like. This is how it played. This is what we liked about it. This is what we were like, this could be improved. Because there's definitely some stuff, like, could be that absolutely could use some deep improvements. Oh, yeah. Like, the job system being basically just ignorable for most characters. Which is, it just... it, which is a shame. It, it's like, it... it I hope, like like we said in the episode of The Look Ahead, we really hope that the job system gets revamped. Yeah, it's growing pains. Yeah, growing pains is a good way to describe it. And let's, But one thing I have forgot is like, wow, this game is a lot shorter than you think it is. It, it goes by quickly. <sighs> no, like, one of the things I, I when I was playing it earlier today that I found so funny, and you'll agree with me, because uh, we're recording this surprisingly on a Tuesday for once, which is one of my streaming days. I yeah. just remember, I, I was looking at, like, the job tree, and, like, it goes up to 99. I don't think the game is even close to long... You know what it reminded me of? Mm. Have you ever have you ever played Fire Emblem Three Houses? Oh yeah. Future episode potentially there. Do, do we dare? Do we? Probably. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? But I just remember yeah. I, I just remember like the level cap in three houses is like ninety-nine. Ah uh, yeah. And it's like <laughs> How? How do you get someone up to level 99? <laughs> I find I... this game multiple times. I don't think that's even plausible. Like, like that more than this one, but also... It's, it's one of those classic things where it's just like, how do, how do you make this work? It, it's beyond me. I don't have any idea. <laughs> it's like, how do I get this job class to 99 when it's like, it, the game is not long enough for that to even be necessary? Some people are just that determined, I guess. I, I guess. Just, it, it's just wild. It's absurd. Just, just absolutely absurd. Um, let's see. Anything else? Uh, well, I think, I think that's about it. Yeah. Uh, we haven't been doing much. We're mostly just plugging Boulder Skate 3 has been devouring Sardo's poor, limited lifespan. <laughs> I, I finally got it, and now it's all I want to do. No, it's like, I forgot that we were already friends on PSN. So there I am, like, doing whatever the fuck I was doing, and then I'm like, oh, who's playing Boulder Oh, right, that's Sardo. There he is, <laughs> playing his games. I, I I have become one of the boys from Teen Girl Squad. I, I am just, I miss video games. I miss my mom. <laughs> I miss <laughs> video games. Yeah, no, but uh, we'll definitely have a Boulder's Gate 3 episode. We'll have a Like a Dragon episode, a proper one that's about Like a Dragon proper. Yes. I mean, we might do that sooner rather than later. I don't know. It's just... On one hand, I kind of wanted to be more topical. I'm trying to be slightly more topical and in season, but who knows? Burn that bridge when we get to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll burn that bridge because I am about to beat it. So like, that's when it's freshest on our mind. Oh, well, we'll fi and... figure it out. Either way, folks, thank you all for listening in. 
This was uh, episode 38. 30. <laughs> episode 38. <laughs> and uh, let's see about the socials. So you can find Sardar at, at Autopsy Garlands. Marky mm -hmm. Belial on Twitter for the art account. Uh, Uncle Death on Blue Sky. And you stream Mondays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time at Uncle Death on twitch.tv that is correct you can come on and get yourself a request i i will draw you almost anything you want not horses horses are not allowed never horses it, it, not not horses <laughs> horses horses are of the devil according to sardo but uh yeah that would be tonight because these release on a monday mm -hmm. because we're solomon grundy Born on a Monday. <laughs> Born on a Monday. And uh, you can follow me at Almighty Strauss on Twitter, Blue Sky. I stream at Almighty Strauss on Twitch.tv every Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Same time as Sardo does on Mondays. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, su it, I'm surprised we just don't congeal that into one thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked. I, I guess it's just because we know for a fact that technically speaking, it's different. Only technically. <laughs> and you should check out Strauss's streams. They're always fun. You, you always got something going on. So check it out. Be there or be square. Mm hmm. And yeah. yeah. So I thanks for listening, a, folks. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And have a good one. Yeah, have a good one. Goodbye. Bye.